You have been led to believe that everything you have experienced isn't real. That there's an explanation. But what if they're wrong? What if something has reached out to you from beyond? Let me tell your true stories. Let me tell them. Until they all believe. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Paranormal and Supernatural True Stories. I have a super exciting announcement to make. So I live in Pennsylvania in Westmoreland County. And on Saturday, April 8th, I will be a vendor at the Westmoreland Paranormal Expo and Vendor Show. This is so exciting. This is being hosted by the Northern Appalachian Paranormal Society. Again, it's Saturday, April 8th at 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. It's being held at Paintertown Volunteer Fire Department. The address is 1010 Trey, T-R-A-Y, Trey Road in Irwin, Pennsylvania, 15642. If you live nearby or within a reasonable distance, please come by. Come by and see if everybody has to offer. Again, we're going to be holding a... Westmoreland Paranormal Expo and Vendor Show being hosted by Northern Appalachian Paranormal Society. Come out and play and see what everyone has. Um, come out and meet me. Let's talk about some ghosts. All right. So today we have two phenomenal experiences. And our first story is an insane trip through a sexy, seductive nightmare sent in by Sarah. I have titled this story Forbidden Love. Let's get into it. Hi, my name is Sarah, and this happened to me in the spring and summer of 2021. I'm still not 100% sure exactly what happened or how to explain it even, but I'm going to give it a try because my therapist said it would be good for me to write it down. And before anyone judges me about having a therapist, I want to say it's for stress management and it's really more like a yoga class than a therapist visit though we do discuss my issues and my experience so where I was living at the time we were at the tail end of the pandemic and we could walk about at the local parks and everyone had a whole new sense of freedom it was a long winter being cooped up I was out at the local park which bordered a river I was simply sitting on the riverbank enjoying the warm sun and a little nature i heard a sound close behind me and i turned to see what was possibly the most beautiful man i have ever seen he was tall muscular and he moved like poetry he had black as night curly hair that fell to his shoulders and his face was like something out of an airbrushed magazine. He, he didn't even look real. Besides his complete allure, I felt instantly drawn to him. Instantly. And this is way out of character for me. I caught myself staring at him, and he did too. Oh, I said, I'm, I'm sorry. I thought you looked familiar. I had to say something to cover my lustful gaze. It's okay, he said. He then approached me and said he was new to the area and could I give him directions. 
he introduced himself as Levi Marks. I wanted to give him more than directions, but that was a start. <laughs> so I stood and we chatted a while. He was looking for the university library, and I told him I could walk him there as I lived not far and it was on my way. I have never lusted after a man so terribly in my life. Again, this is completely out of character for me. Did I mention he had the darkest eyes I've ever seen? Anyway, we walked and chatted. He said he was doing research on some theology subjects, and this university held some very important ancient books that he needed to read. When we got there, I wished him luck and turned to leave, but he gently grabbed my arm and asked me out for lunch the next day. Do you think that I said yes? <laughs> of course I did. That night, I dreamed of him, and it was vivid enough that I could feel his very breath on my neck. I could smell his musky scent. I could feel his sweat entwined with mine. I awoke in a sweat. The next day, at lunch, we talked about his interest in theology. He was particularly interested in angels, demons, and the hierarchy among them. I thought it was interesting enough, but I knew very little about such things. He said he was writing a book about it and had been working on it for about three years now. He explained that he grew up in an orphanage in Germany and really hadn't set down roots anywhere in particular yet. We made plans to see each other again in a couple days. And every single night, I would have my lustful, sweaty dreams about him. Me laying on a huge satiny bed with luxurious sheets and pillows and he and I entwined in complete passion. I would literally wake up exhausted because I wasn't sleeping a restful sleep. I had my yearly gynecological appointment the day before we met again, and my doctor asked me if I had been having sex. And as usual, I told him no. And then he looked concerned. Are, are you sure? He asked me. Yes, I'm quite sure, I told him. Is something wrong? Well, you have some serious abrasions and tears on your vaginal wall. I'm surprised they don't give you discomfort. And these types of abrasions are usually found after a sexual assault. If you need to tell me something, I assure you, it will be private. I have not been assaulted. I, I haven't had relations for over eight months. And it wasn't rough even for a lack of better words my doctor kept trying to reassure me that it was okay to tell him the truth but there wasn't anything to tell and it left us both confused he wanted to see me in three months now instead of the usual yearly i agreed and left i don't need to tell you again about my dreams that night the next day levi and i met at the park where we first found each other over the next few weeks, we did this often, and I wondered where this was going. We had been seeing each other nearly every day for these weeks, yet he made no move toward any type of intimacy with me. 
and I am too shy a person to be the aggressor. He said he would be leaving in a couple months, off to Egypt, and then a couple other countries with even older books that he wanted to see. It made me instantly sad. I would likely not see him again, I thought. I tried to think of a way to ask him if I would see him again, and he said, I will be back this way at the end of winter. Towards New Year's, perhaps. We can hang out more then if you would like. Of course, I told him. I thought I understood that maybe he didn't want to get into a relationship, since he was a traveling kind of guy. If we were to hang out now and then, I guess I would be happy for that. We hung out all summer, spending a lot of time together, but never once intimate. He would lean into me and gently kiss my cheek. He would give my shoulder a squeeze, but that was all. Was it enough? No, it wasn't, but it would have to be for now. I respected that everyone had their own pace and perhaps he would make a more decisive move when he came back for New Year's. Not to mention it again, but my nightly dreams of him never relented. So in a way, I was having my cake and eating it too, even if it was just a dream. At my next guiding appointment, I still had the abrasions and my doctor was seriously concerned, but I reassured him once again that I was not being hurt by anyone, nor was I in pain. He even gave me pamphlets when I left for battered and abused women, where to seek help. I canceled all future appointments with him. I did understand, though, why he gave me those. Some women really needed that information, but I just wasn't one of them. End of summer came and Levi was gone, too. I was left feeling somewhat abandoned. Even though there really wasn't a commitment between us, he had a bouquet of flowers delivered to me and the card read, Do not be sad. I'll still be with you. In your dreams. I blushed immediately. Surely this was just a romantic gesture. There's no way for him to know about my dreams. And this is where the dreams took a turn. A terrifying turn. Literally the day he left. That night, in my dream, I was tied to a disgusting bed, filthy with what looked like blood and God knows what else. I, I was terrified. And then a thing entered the room, a thing that resembled a combination of man and some type of beast. It looked almost canine to me and it stared at me looked me up and down and then walked to the side of the bed and sat as if waiting for someone while guarding me. I dared not scream. I didn't want it looking at me again. And then I heard heavy footsteps coming. Everything around me was terrifying. The sights, the smells, the sounds. And now footsteps, possibly coming for me? I struggled to be free, but it was useless. And then he entered the room. It was Levi, but 
he didn't quite look the same. His face was misshapen and he had fangs like like you would imagine a vampire having. And I could see that all his teeth were pointed because he had no lips, just rotting flesh around his mouth. He had what seemed to be abnormally long arms. The reason I knew it was him was his eyes and his hair and his voice were the same. And he only said one word, my name, Sarah. Then, as absolutely terrified as I was, I wanted nothing more than to be with him. I know that sounds crazy, and it is. I think I was more afraid of myself, my inability to resist him. There is no reason to go into details about what happened next. You can use your imagination. These dreams persisted for about a month and then began to fade away. New Year's came and went, and no Levi. No contact whatsoever, even though he said he would try to keep in touch while he was away. I was an emotional and physical wreck, which is why I sought therapy. Once I regained my strength, I felt a little more removed from the situation, and I plunged myself into researching what could possibly have happened here. No matter that my therapist told me it was just a dream, I felt it was so much more. All of it a terrible dream? I don't know. But perhaps tied to my emotional trauma of Levi leaving? I don't think she was right on this one. Possible, I suppose, but... I really think there was more to this. I think Levi is some type of incubus. Perhaps the South African variation referred to as Impandulu. They, they are attractive and they seduce women and drink their blood. I know how ridiculous that sounds. I really do. I can't even believe I'm sending this story out into the world, <laughs> but I truly believe that Levi was not from our species. Everything about him was so intense. It was like his very presence heightened all my sen senses a hundredfold, and being around him was addictive, if not absolutely intoxifying. I literally craved him. As scary as the whole experience was, I truly believe that if I saw him again, I would be helpless to resist him. Even though nothing physical happened between us during my waking hours, I think it was really him in my dreams, and I don't think it was just a dream, and my gynecologist seen the proof. And then... I magically healed after Levi left my dreams. Wherever he is in this world, I'm sure he is with another woman. A woman who perhaps isn't used to much male attention. And a woman that is having some amazing dreams. For now. Thanks. I mean, wow. This is disturbing. 
such an intense emotional experience. It must have been difficult for you to go through it all again, just to write it down. And I do thank you for making that effort. And I, I hope it helps to heal your mind. Yes, I would agree that Levi may have been something other than human. And did anyone catch his subject matter at the university? Angels? Demons? Really? What does all that mean, I wonder? And I wonder why your dreams became nightmares after he left. Maybe his power over you is stronger based on his proximity. Maybe he controls what your experience is like, making it wonderful as long as he is nearby. But then when he left the country, he couldn't stop you from seeing the true nature of what was actually happening to you. I mean, I don't know. That's my guess. I hope he stays away from you. And hey, ladies, beware the perfectly handsome stranger, especially if you have dreams about him. Crazy, crazy experience here. Thanks again for sending this one in. Our next experience will be on my mind for quite a while. The way that Jeremy describes his encounter in the hallway will be in my nightmares for sure. Jeremy, thanks for sending this into us. I know it must have taken a toll on you as well to revisit this whole experience. Let's get into Jeremy's story I have titled, When Darkness Calls. My name is Jeremy. I'm in my mid-30s now. I'm from the Midwest USA and I am an only child. When I was around seven years old, my mother's brother, my uncle Jack, got released from prison. He needed somewhere to live and for some reason my mother thought it was a good idea for him to stay with us. I think she felt guilty that their father was always so hard on him. According to her, my grandfather was always berating him, abusive, both physically and mentally, and just plain mean to him. And possibly the reason why we found out years later that he was the product of a love affair that their mother had had with a ranch hand. They never divorced, and she and the love child Jack paid a heavy price over the years for her indiscretion. Uncle Jack was released from prison. I'd rather not go into his charges, however, they were for some rather violent, aggravated offenses. Again, I don't get why she would allow him to come live with us, but I'm supposing it was pity. My dad was furious about it, and it further damaged their marriage. At least that's what I believe. And it was as bad as you could have imagined. When my mother wasn't around, he was always putting me down. He was relentless. He was ruthless. And I hated him deeply. After almost two years, he finally went back out on his own. And it was a huge good riddance for me. Well, fast forward about 10 years now. My mother and father were divorcing, and my mother had never had a job before, so she needed somewhere to live until she could get on her feet financially. And yep, you guessed it, off we went to Uncle Jack's place. 
I won't even get into the atrocious way he treated me, but then it only instilled my hatred for him even deeper. And being a hormonal late teen, this time it became physical between us. And I beat his ass one night bad enough that he let me alone until we finally moved out a few months later. Looking back through adult eyes, I know doing that was wrong, but he was a relentless bully and I just felt I had no choice. And now we can fast forward again another 10 years. I had gone to college, married, had a kid, divorced, found myself back home at mom's, but I was renting the upstairs portion of her house while helping her out with yard work and things she needed done. I tried to keep all that as short as possible. I felt it was important for your listeners to understand a little about my family history before getting to the main reason I sent this story in. My mom received a phone call from Uncle Jack. He said he was dying and needed somewhere to stay until the end. His diagnosis was terminal, and it would be within a couple of years. And what do you think she said? Yep, she said, come stay here. It was her choice, and I made it clear I wanted little to do with him. He would stay in her part of the house and was not welcome in mine. About a year and a half into this arrangement, it was time he needed nurse visitation every day, plus he had an in-home health care visit in the afternoon. I had had little to no contact with him and planned on keeping it that way. That is, until my mother had to take a trip out of state and desperately needed me to care for him while she was gone. She practically begged me. It would be five days, she said, and the in-home caretaker and nurse would be there to help. I begrudgingly agreed, not for him, but to help my mother. The first night, I went to check on him. He was at a stage that he would mostly sleep. He didn't speak or eat. So basically, I would just look into the room, I guess to see if he were still alive. And he was. So I put myself on the couch in the living room in front of the TV for the night. After a few hours, I heard a noise from Uncle Jack's room. It was like, something rustling or or being moved. We had no pets, so I thought maybe he had fallen out of bed, even though he rarely moved. In fact, my mother had to physically change his position for him so that he wouldn't get bed sores. I went to check, and he seemed fine. All seemed normal. I turned to go back to the couch, and the noise happened again. I turned quickly and still saw nothing. What the hell was that sound? Still, though, seeing nothing wrong, I headed back to the couch. The next night, again, I am on the couch, and I hear something from down the hall. This time it was like a door opening and closing. I hurried to Uncle Jack's room, and the door was open, as we always kept it. Again, nothing seemed... Uncle Jack was awake and staring at me. His face was pulled into an expression of pure terror. His eyes wide. His mouth was drawn into the most 
awful, open-mouthed frown. It looked like something was pulling his face into this awful expression. I was taken aback. I had never expected this, and I had no idea what to do. He began to sit up, which was supposed to be impossible at this point. But he was doing it very slowly, but still doing it. To this day, I can still see that face he was making. I quickly pulled the sides of the bed up and locked it so that he couldn't get out of bed. And then I called my mom to see what to do. She had me call his nurse. And after a quick visit and vitals checked, she seemed to think nothing was wrong. He was sleeping perfectly still and she seemed like she almost didn't even believe me at what I said he did. Okay then, so now it's night three and I'm in the kitchen cooking my dinner when I hear someone say something from his room. Great. Now what? I stopped what I was doing and listened. And I heard a muffled word come from his room. What the hell? I wondered. He hadn't really spoken for quite some time, I thought, nor was he able to, I didn't think. I went to his room and seemed to be asleep, but he clearly said one word when I entered his room. Worthless. And it definitely came from his mouth. He loved calling me worthless when I was younger, and still in his deathbed, had to spew wickedness towards me. I left his room and decided not to go back there, even if I heard him say anything else. I was done with this shit for the day, or so I thought. It was the middle of the night when I was awakened by an incredible barrage of filthy words and insults coming from the hallway. Fucking no good, useless, worthless piece of shit. You don't deserve to live. You don't deserve to live. I will have everything and you will have nothing. For a second, I thought I left the TV on until I realized it had to be Uncle Jack. And I jumped up and ran to the hallway. And there, crawling towards me in his hospital gown was my emaciated and dying Uncle Jack. He had left a trail of watery feces down the hall and his face was contorted as he hurled insults at me and then laughing like some demented clown. (laughs) This is the stuff nightmares are made of. But it wasn't a nightmare, and I felt like screaming. I was literally frozen in place. I had to be asleep, I kept thinking. This physical activity was supposed to be impossible for him. And then he stopped, and he smiled at me and said, You are worthless, but even in death, I will have a purpose. Then he collapsed onto the floor as if asleep. Now, I'm not going to lie. I was completely 
freaked out. I was getting such a horrible negative feeling. Like that feeling you get when, when you should run. And as much as I disliked this person, I could not leave him on the floor in his own filth. I was mortified as I cleaned him in the messy hallway. After the huge middle of the night cleanup and getting him back into his bed, I sat down and thought about what I had witnessed. I just could not make sense of this. After I calmed myself down, I I went to go to bed and glanced into his room. And there he was, sitting on the edge of his bed, facing the window. How the hell was he doing this? I approached him, and he said, I best be leaving his room now. He warned me to stay away from him. His voice was strong, and he didn't even sound like his old self at all. Uncle Jack, I said, you need rest. Let me help you get back into bed. He twisted his neck to look at me at a near impossible angle, and he held his mouth open, wide open, and from within his mouth, I swear to you, he said, Get the fuck out of here, or I will swallow you too. It wasn't his voice, and he never moved his lips. Not once. Like something was speaking from within his throat. So I left, and I shut his door. This situation was just getting worse, and I wished I was anywhere but here. I never slept the rest of that night. But I could hear him in there, talking all night. The next day, he lay sleeping when the nurse came. I told her what had happened, and she said to my face that I must have been dreaming. She said his muscles are too atrophied for him to walk or even crawl. She claimed also that he hasn't spoken in so long that she doubted he even could still speak, even if he wanted to. Well, she pissed me off. I know what I saw. I know what I heard. And then, she said, the only way he was going to do those things was if someone was moving him and we had a ventriloquist. Really, lady? That's your professional opinion? And then it clicked, and it occurred to me that maybe she was right. Not the ventriloquist part, but maybe something else was controlling him. I was never really into the paranormal scene, but this experience had the feel of something evil, something worse than Uncle Jack had ever been, something dark and twisted. My mother thinks that Uncle Jack was so demented and dark that when he was rendered helpless from his illness, that something else, darker, was drawn to his already evil nature. And what bothers me to this day is what he said, that even in death, he would have a purpose. What the hell did that mean? What purpose? It was about three days later, Uncle Jack passed away, quietly, in his sleep. 
My mother believed everything I told her about those final nights with him. She was always a believer in the paranormal. She said that there was always darkness in him, an innocent child, but born from a sin that wasn't his, grown to a man that embraced wicked deeds. She said it didn't surprise her that in the end, some form of evil came for him after all. And it was always the path he followed. I wish his soul peace, though. Thanks for reading. So this was absolutely terrifying to me. I'm not sure I could have stayed in that house after the second night. So, Jeremy, I really appreciate you sending this experience. As I feel it had, it had to be very traumatic, especially since you had been mentally abused by this man since you were a kid. Perhaps, perhaps you attributed his wicked behavior that night because of the natural way he acted anyway and didn't even pick up on the potential paranormal aspect. What do you guys think? Do you think some evil entity came for Uncle Jack at the end? If not, how is he moving around when even the nurse said he shouldn't be able to move? I think I believe something came for him. He was too weak physically to even speak, let alone crawl down the hall screaming horrible things. Another thought, though, maybe whatever it was had always been in him. It's a very, very scary experience. I'm curious what other listeners think. Send your thoughts and also your own experiences to mytruestory at myyahoo.com. Thanks again, Jeremy. I wish you the best. Thank you all for listening. Hey, and don't forget, if you would like to support my independent podcast, you may do so over at patreon.com under Paranormal and Supernatural True Stories. It's only $5 a month, and you will then have access to all of my episodes, including any bonus episodes, which I just released one last week. Hey, I thank you all so much for listening, and try to make it out to the Westmoreland Paranormal Expo, April 8th. Okay, hope to see you guys there. Hey, until next time, peace, love, and bye for now. Thanks for being here today. I hope to see you next time on Paranormal and Supernatural True Stories. Will your experience be the next one I tell? Send all communications and stories to mytruestory at myyahoo.com. In the meantime, leave the lights on.